to Mr. Biz Radio, Biz Talk for Biz Owners. If you're ready to stop faking the funk and take your business onward and upward, this show is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. All right, welcome to another episode of Mr. Biz Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And um, this week, we're going to talk with a guest who not only understands what you could argue is the largest business in the world. He wrote a best-selling, international best-selling book about it. And that is none other than, depending on what side of the fence you stand on, the big evil Amazon or, oh my gosh, I love Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. I think most people are on the I love Amazon side. There are some people that, uh, whatever, for for whatever reasons, I guess they have their own reasons. But I wanted to have Steve on because the book that he wrote, The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon, is something is going to be applicable to each and every one of us, right? The vast majority of our listeners, our viewers, our business owners, entrepreneurs, who better to learn from? We talk about this on the show all the time. Find people who are experts in the field you're trying to get be good at, right? And who's better at, at, the, at the retail game than Amazon? Who, who understands all of this? And for a variety of reasons, not just because they sell like crazy and everything and you know everyone goes to their website. Why did that happen? How did that happen? Et cetera, et cetera. So I won't believe that any further. So our guest this week, is a uh, is a technology and risk ex- expert, which might sound a little funny based on what I just said. He wrote a book about Amazon. We'll talk about that though. He helps businesses understand, integrate, and leverage current and emerging technologies. He's been designated as a top voice for LinkedIn. He helps businesses understand and use risk to their competitive advantage. You guys know I've talked about that before. Everyone's afraid of that R word, risk. There's a way to make it an advantage, and Steve knows how to do that. You may have seen him in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes Top 20 Business Books, CEO Magazine, or Investor's Business Daily. His international best-selling book that I mentioned, The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon, helps businesses apply these principles for their own success, which is exactly how he's going to help us. And oh, by the way, cooking, cooking is a hobby his wife of 47 years enthusiastically supports. Look, I would support that as well. Um, please, well, please help me welcome Steve Anderson. Steve, welcome to Mr. Biz Radio. Dan, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's get right into this. Um, you know, I know you've done a lot of things in your career, and tell us a little about your entrepreneurial journey, though. Like you've done a lot of different things, and you've pivoted here and there. Gosh, I hate that word. Everyone used, overuses it so much. But tell us a little about that journey. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, most of that journey has been a part of the insurance industry. Uh, Early in my career, sold insurance to mostly businesses and, you know, really kind of got the nuts and bolts of what that was like. And, you know, insurance, again, something most people don't particularly like, but they have to have it. And so how how do how do we do that? Um, And and kind of as part of that, uh, and this was literally uh, in the early 80s and into the 90s, lots of technology was coming around to help businesses, including what, what I did. And I became really interested in how technology can help you sell. And so really started focusing in the 90s on that aspect. Um, and then in 1999, uh, left where I was working at an insurance agency, started my own business doing research, writing, speaking, and consulting around technology for the insurance industry. Um, and then have been been doing that since. And um, 
And kind of that final piece is taking that business and actually starting a new business in partnership with uh, several in state insurance associations to offer those resources that I had developed over the years to their members. And that's Catalyt is the name of it. And uh, so I kind of I do that. Uh, and also, as you mentioned, the book is the other part of what I do. But it was actually the insurance and, and risk that led me to start thinking about this question is the biggest risk businesses face today actually not taking enough risk. I love that. And again, I've, I've talked about that on the show, man, so many different times. And I think a lot of times, and I'm, I'm sure you get the same thing. When I mention that or bring that up, most people are like, what, what are you talking about? I, I just did a, uh, I just was interviewed, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago. And someone was asking me about uh, the recession and what you should be doing. And I'm like, I said, this is not going to be what you hear from most people, but you should not get into the fetal position and go into your desk and, and whimper and cry. Like this is not that there is so much opportunity during an economic downturn. Don't let it pass you by because you have this super scarcity mindset. Right. That aside though, I want to ask you, Steve. So going way back and you, you kind of embraced obviously the technology in the insurance industry. So as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, we're always looking at what's, what's the new thing and is it a fad or is it something that's actually going to stick and actually be something of value that you really need to sink your teeth into? There's a bunch of them going on right now, you know, the NFT stuff and, and all that, that whole world and, and uh, cryptocurrency and all that. How did you decide way back then, like the technology, especially I'm sure at, at that point in time, and you mentioned the eighties and nineties, it wasn't in the insurance industry at all. So how did you decide like, this is it, I got to sink my teeth into this. Um, I, I think it was a natural interest. Uh, my dad uh, actually worked for an early computer company called Burroughs Corporation, kind of a major competitor with IBM, okay. and uh, took some programming classes in, in college and, you know, just kind of got my fingers and it just intrigued me, you know, that that these machines could do this stuff. And, and so I, I think it it was just curiosity on my part, you know. I wonder what this could do. Um, and, and even that question that I started asking is, you know, with technology continuing to change, back then certainly it was rapidly. Today it certainly is rapidly. It's not mm -hmm. slowing down. You know, businesses don't have the luxury that they, that they did in the 80s of sitting back for two, three or four years and going, let's just wait and see how this is going to work out. Now, it may be a month or two months and six months maximum. And unfortunately, some of those businesses that did try and wait actually are no longer here. Right. Once very successful. And so that that kind of thought process is what started intriguing me. And, and kind of like you said, people look at me like, what? I mean, you're in the insurance business. It's all about reducing risk, right? Transferring it to a policy, reducing it, mitigating it, safety programs, right? All of that stuff. And if you're not pushing the boundary, you're not asking those questions, you're not going to grow. And, and that's where I'm making that connection between risk and growth. And, and that's what I started exploring in the book. Well, I think it's it's very interesting now that you mentioned that, Steve, because, you know, just literally as you were saying that, I was thinking through my head, it's like, you know, as someone in the insurance industry, you're helping folks mitigate risk. Mm -hmm. But by the way, since I'm helping you mitigate it, 
that should allow you to put your foot on the gas pedal a little bit and accelerating it because you do have this protection over here. Yeah. And, and I you and I really resonate with what you said in terms of economic downturns. I mean, you look back at the last one, right, 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. there were all kinds of different businesses created during that time period because they were, and I'll use your words, they didn't go into a fetal position just trying to survive. They actually took steps that probably they thought were crazy at the time. But that's part of that risk taking. And, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, I hope, but it's also not stupid risk. You know, it's right. not just throwing something up against the wall to see if it sticks. It's intentional, it's purposeful, it's strategic. And, yeah. and I think those are key when you're starting to think about this. Absolutely. Guys, we're going to hit a break here. We'll come back and continue talking with Steve Anderson and give the Mr. Biz tip of the week. If you would like to reach hundreds of thousands of business owners every week, Mr. Biz Radio can help. Our show airs globally seven days a week for more than 25 hours across several internet radio stations plus 20 plus podcast platforms. Also, video exposure on the new exclusive Mr. Biz Network streaming channel, which gets blasted to 100 plus streaming platforms and the Mr. Biz YouTube channel and our 350,000 social media followers multiple times every week. Join Mr. Biz Nation as an advertiser by emailing us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Are you ready to automate your business? Automation is the key to scaling a business and building wealth. It's also one of the most difficult things for a small business owner to do on their own. If you're looking for help with automation, Pulse Technology CRM can help. We have an exclusive offer for Mr. Biz Nation. We will build everything for free, even if it's a sophisticated funnel. Visit thepulsespot.com forward slash Mr. Biz for this exclusive offer. Got a question for Mr. Biz you want answered on air? Email it to info at mrbizsolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. And by the way, I know uh, you just mentioned that, but don't hesitate to send in questions. Uh, we're actually going to do... Uh, I think pretty soon here, we we typically accumulate questions. And once we get some commonality to them, like, oh my gosh, you know, several people have asked the same question we'll come on and I'll do a, we call it an ask Mr. Biz show where I'll answer a bunch of questions that people, recent questions that people have been asking, um, give you a shout out uh, to your name, if you want your business, if you want um, and answer your question uh, on the show. So don't hesitate to send those in. We love getting questions. We love being able to help people and specific to what they're asking. A lot of times it's specific to the, the topic we're covering in the show. So don't hesitate to do that too, because any of you guys who have been listening to the show for any length of time, you know that we'll have people back on, right? So we'll get a lot of questions about a specific guest and we'll say, oh my gosh, let's just have so-and-so back on the show to talk about some of those questions we got from listeners and viewers. So don't hesitate to do that. All right, it's time for Mr. Biz Tip of the Week. This one is a simple one, but is critically important. You cannot, and it's going to sound a little harsh, you cannot fire bad employees fast enough. You cannot fire bad employees fast enough. They erode morale because the hardworking people around them get sick of picking up the slack for them. And obviously they kill overall performance because some of those performers you have that are doing well, but they're maybe not super ambitious, but they're doing pretty well and they're working hard. At some point, if you keep that person around and you're not doing anything about it, that bad performer, that sort of middle ground person says, why am I busting my butt? 
like, you know, Tom over here is, you know, doing a crappy job and, and nothing's happening to him. So I'm just going to do a crappy job too. I'm going to stop making the extra effort. You got to get rid of these bad employees. I don't mean that in a harsh way. I'm, say, I'm not saying you walk in and just immediately get rid of them. You got to give them action steps, a performance improvement plan, but you got to make it quick. Like here are the things that you're, you're not measuring up to. Here are the things that you need to be doing. Here are the action steps you need to take in the next 30, 60 days. And you, at that point, you meet with them every week. You know, when we, when I did this back in my corporate uh, days, we, when we had someone in that, on a PIP, we called it a performance improvement plan. We met with them every Friday and we went through that action plan and it makes it an easy, easy thing at the end. And actually a lot less awkward if you have to end up letting them go, because after several weeks of them not performing, they know they're not doing a good job and it's, it's not nearly as awkward. So anyway, I don't want to belabor that, but it's super important especially in these times we're in and with an economic downturn that Steve and I had talked about a little bit during the first segment. So that is the Mr. Biz tip of the week. All right. So Steve, so I, I should mention guys, if you want to find out more, I've, I've, I've talked about the book again, the Bezos letters, 14 principles to grow your business like Amazon. You can find out more at thebezosletters.com, thebezosletters.com. And by the way, LinkedIn and Twitter, follow Steve on LinkedIn and Twitter, Steve TN. Obviously, he has a very common name, so he's Steve TN. makes it super easy to find him uh, on both social media platforms. So, Steve, there had to be a reason. There had to be something, uh, a, a moment, an epiphany, something like that, where you said that made you think, I should write a book about this. What, what was that? <laughs> uh, well, the story is actually a little bit different. So okay. that question I in the last segment I said was, you know, is the biggest risk businesses face today not taking enough risk? That just kept resonating with me. And certainly as I was working in the insurance industry, not known for being um, forward thinking, at least in the technology arena. Um, and so I started researching companies that were no longer around, once very successful, and tried to understand why. Certainly Kodak, BlackBerry, Blockbuster, Borders, Sears, you know, there's a whole list of them that at one point were hugely successful, the top of the game in what they were doing and are gone. So what happened? That also led me to companies that are still around and still growing and still, you know, what are they doing and trying to compare and contrast. Mm -hmm. Came across Amazon. I, I say, obviously now, I think at the time it was just like, oh yeah, they're really successful. I mean, I mm -hmm. wonder why. Um, <laughs> came across Jeff Bezos' letters to shareholders First one he wrote in 1997. His actual last one he wrote as CEO was 2020. Uh, and then Andy Jassy took over as CEO and he stepped aside uh, or into a um, executive chairman position. Mm -hmm. And I had heard about the letters. Typically you see articles about them in April when they're normally published. What I did though, is I started reading them in order straight through. It took a couple days. Sure. There, there's a lot, you know, there. And I became really impressed, enamored, whatever other word you want to use with the letters and what he wrote. First, he's a great writer. Um, they were, anyway, I'll just say it, leave it at that. He's a great yeah. writer. Two, he, uh, he's a teacher. So these letters were somewhat typical in here's what Amazon did and here's how we're great and here's how we're growing and those kinds of things. But that was not the focus of the letters. It was here's how we did it. 
here are the things that we do that's different. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, so that thought is what kind of started me. And I thought, you know what, this could be really good information for my clients, my audience. So actually the first thing I did was a one page executive summary of every letter published to date. I think there were uh, probably to 2017 at that point. Okay. And, you know, kind of one page highlight. Here's key metrics. Here's some quotes. Here's some takeaways that I thought were important. And I was going to give it away as a lead gen, right? Mm-hmm. Here, sign up for my newsletter, my whatever, get this. And uh, that could be great. Fortunately, I have, I, I have friends, uh, including my wife, <laughs> who are in the book business. And okay. I was kind of excited about this. So I showed it to a couple of different people, including Karen. And almost immediately, they all came back and said, this is not a legion, this is a book. And then I went, oh, no. <laughs> what do you mean a book? I mean, I, right. I don't, so I didn't set out to write a book. I think the book showed up. I I, I wanted a book because it's, um, it's helpful for positioning, right? Sure. For thought leadership, what, however you want to describe that. But a book is a really good tool. Um, and so that started the writing journey. Um, and um, long story there, it took about 18 months. And I've been writing my whole career. That was one of my major marketing tools, right? Columns and mm-hmm. in industry publications and all that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a really big difference between a thousand or fifteen hundred word article and a sixty thousand word book. And I know, yep. Ken, you've written books, so you're shaking your head going, yes, there's a big <laughs> difference. Yeah. Um, and and my wife, Karen, is a co-author on the book because she really helped. She's a marvelous book strategist, really helped put the book together and and hone my thoughts and ideas into something. So we ended up with 14 principles to grow your business like Amazon, as you said in the subtitle, Mm -hmm. grouped into four different cycles, test, build, accelerate, and scale. And I believe every business are going through those cycles all the time, whether it's a product, whether it's a platform, whether it's a service, whatever it is. And so, and um, how do I want to say this? It's resonating with people. I, you know, I think that's obvious just because of its success. And that success was a surprise to me more than anybody else because I didn't set out to write, quote, a best-selling book. Yeah, I can imagine, Steve. I can imagine. So, guys, we're going to hit a break here. And, I, I, gosh, I have so many questions for Steve. Come back after the break on Mr. Biz Radio. How would you like to have direct access to Mr. Biz to help you run your business more profitably and more efficiently? At MrBizSolutions.com, you get live access to not only Mr. Biz, but also several of his hand-picked and trusted business experts, each with 20-plus years of experience to help you optimally manage and grow your business. That's just the start of where Mr. Biz Solutions begins. Learn more at MrBizSolutions.com. That's MrBizSolutions.com. Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue-producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit CheckOffYourList.com to learn how Check Off Your List's skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks 
like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at checkoffyourlist.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live. Check out all three of Mr. Biz's best-selling books at mrbizbooks.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right, welcome back to the show. Um, gosh, so much to cover, Steve. So, first of all, I want to say before we even dive in this, because I, I definitely want to get—I don't want you to give away the, the secret sauce of the book or anything like that—but I want to mention a couple of things from what you had mentioned uh, last segment. Is uh, before we get some tips from you, I, my first book was the same way. First of all, and I won't go into all that whole story, but it was the same exact thing. I was compiling cash flow tips and just kind of throw them, throwing them into a document. Uh, to give away to clients and as a legion, same sort of thing. The exact same thing happened, Steve. My brother, uh, he said, "Hey, by the way, you said you you're compiling all those cash flow tips." He goes, "Can you send it to me? Because I got a couple guys I want to share it with." I'm like, "Yeah, sure." I sent it to him. He's like, "Holy crap, this is a book!" And I had the same reaction you had, Steve. I'm like, "Wait, hold on, time out." Well, I didn't set out to write a book. I'm not a writer. I, I I don't even I don't even love. I don't even like writing. Unlike you, I you know I don't like it anyway. Uh, so that 100% resonated with me. The other part about the shareholder letter. So when I was at JP Morgan, I ended up the last, I don't know, eight, 10 years of my career, I was part of that process of Jamie Dimon writing his shareholder mm-hmm. letter and being one of the reviewers and one of the people that, you know, not, not necessarily had input. It's all his information, obviously. But let's say it this way, or let's say it that way, having a little bit of uh, input into how some of the things were, were shared. Um, and And by the way, I love it. You know, I talk about success leaves clues all the time. I love the process you went through. Like, holy crap, these companies went by the wayside. Why is that? These companies are doing really well. Why is that? And going through those shareholder letters, they're, uh, some of them, are, uh, frankly, are crappily written. Is it even word crappily? Anyway, crappy, crappy writing, crappy? I don't even know. Anyway, they're not written well. Um, um, and most people don't go through them and even know how to interpret what's being said or pull out the nuggets like you did. Um, so I can imagine, uh, you know, the treasure trove of information you came up with, with going through, you know, 20 or so of those, you know, 20 years in, in a row of those. That all being said, what are some things, again, don't give away secret sauce, obviously. Again, guys, go out to <clears throat> thebezosletters.com, thebezosletters.com uh, to find more out about the book and to buy the book. But Steve, give us, you know, again, most of our listeners and viewers are business owners, entrepreneurs. Give us a little taste. Give us a little taste of some things that an everyday business owner can use and learn from Amazon. So uh, what I thought I'd do, obviously, there are 14 principles. We don't have time to go through all of them. Sure. But I think there are a handful that I picked out that are probably, if if you as a business owner are thinking about these, it will, it can't help but improve your business. So mm-hmm. In the test cycle, the first principle is called encourage successful failure. And typically, you don't see those words together, successful and failure, right? But the idea here is, if you in your business, and I think this is what happened to a BlackBerry and a Blockbuster and all of those, they got successful, no question. But it's what I call the hubris of success, meaning, okay, we got here. But what happens is they tend to protect what got them there and not think about what's next. Next, yeah. And so what's next is invention. 
And invention requires experimentation. And if it's an experiment, you're going to fail. Sure. Because if you're not going to fail you and you know it's going to be successful, it's not an experiment. Right. And again, Bezos talks about that over and over again. And in fact, he calls Amazon the best place in the world for an employee to fail because they don't punish failure. They mm-hmm. encourage it. But again, back to what I said earlier, and I think the first segment, not stupid failure. So they're very intentional about how sure. they go about that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one. Yeah. I think the second one that is really core at Amazon is obsessing over customers. So he writes about that in the very first letter, 97, we will obsess over customers. Now, every business has customers and they try and treat them well. We call it customer service, customer focus, customer journey, but obsessing has a whole different level to it. Some might say negative. Right? Can you be obsessed too much over sure. your customers? At Amazon, they don't think you can. Um, and they've got three customer pillars. Wide selection, low prices, fast delivery. They focus on those. And everything you see around of what they do is still focusing on those three pillars. So obsessing over customers, I think, is another thought to keep in mind. Um, Understand your flywheel. And these are sort of the five tips, too, if you're not picking that up, Ken. Yeah, yeah. um, Understanding your flywheel. uh, And there's a a story behind that. I'll give you this very short version. Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. Chapter eight is the flywheel and the doom loop. Mm -hmm. Published in October of uh, 2001. Collins was invited to a off-site senior leadership team meeting for Amazon in August of 2001, just before that book was published. They spent the entire day talking about Amazon's flywheel and they actually sketched it out. Um, And it's really this idea of you work really hard getting the momentum moving in your business. And once you do that flywheel just starts working. And as long as you keep it going, it's going to keep producing. And for Amazon, that was growth. That was their key metric. So flywheel, really important piece. Mm -hmm. Next in the accelerate um, cycle is generate high velocity decisions. So again, successful companies tend to slow down decision making. Think about it. You have multiple layers of approval to get anything done. All that does is slow down decision-making, not speed it up. And Bezos describes two types of decisions, type one, type two. Type one decisions are bet the company, big, massive decisions. You take those slowly with as much data and information as you can gather. Type two decisions, on the other hand, are easily reversible. That's sort of back to that experimentation. If we try it and it doesn't work, we can pivot to a different direction. We can literally walk back that decision and try something else. Mm -hmm. It's not consequential to the company. So those decisions should be made by the lowest level of employee that has the skills and abilities to make that decision and not have to go through multiple layers. So that keeps 
growth and speed together. Yeah, I like it. And then um, the the last one I'm going to uh, talk about is uh, principle number 14 in the scale cycle, right? So again, Amazon has scaled greatly over the last 26 years. It's called Believe It's Always Day One. So at Amazon, in the very first letter, Bezos said, it's day one for the internet. Now, remember, this is 1997. Nobody knew what the internet was going to be at all. So it's day one for the internet and for Amazon.com if we execute well. And every single letter subsequent to the 97 letter always closed with some reference to It's still day one. It's always day one. In 2019, it closed with, even with all of the, ooh, and I lost the word he used, but all of the problems Mm -hmm. of the pandemic that first year, it's still day one. And, And it's a mindset of, as a business owner, are you walking into your business every morning and thinking it's the first day we're in business? That excitement, that customer focus, that you know, drive to keep going. Yeah, and I think a lot of people lose that. Steve, look, if this doesn't whet everyone's appetite, (laughs) I don't know what will. Like, I've got a whole page of notes here. This is fantastic. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Ken. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, go out to thebezosletters.com to find out more about the book. Have a great week. Thanks for watching. And don't forget, as always, cash flow is king. To become part of Mr. Biz Nation, follow him on all social media platforms or never miss a show by going to MrBizRadio.com. If you prefer free video content, visit the Mr. Biz YouTube channel or check out his streaming channel, which is available on 100 plus streaming platforms at MrBizNetwork.com.